0: Hi, folks, we want to thank you for tuning into the Indian-run Christian Church podcast with our associate minister, Pastor Eric Howder. Now, this podcast can be found on iTunes by searching for Terry Bailey Ministries in the iTunes store. Right now, let's get to Pastor Eric's insightful message.
1: Today, we have a special guest that's going to come up here and share... Uh a bit about what the Gideons do throughout the community. Um, Eric Ruth is a part of the Canton North chapter of Gideons International. Um, many of us know it, we've probably gotten a Gideon's Bible at some point in our life, either at school or even pulled one out in a hotel room. But Eric's going to come up here and sh- share some testimony, some, you know, life that's been transformed through the Word of God through reading just that small little Bible. And at the end, we'll uh, pass the offering plates again for the work in that kingdom, which he'll share where that money goes to as he comes up. I want to thank you, Pastor Eric and Pastor Terry, for the opportunity to share with you all this morning. And, you know, I want to begin by telling you about a little bit about Angola Angola is a prison, and it sits on 18,000 acres. 6,000 of our country's hardest criminals are housed there. If you've seen the Green Mile or Dead Man Walking, you've seen parts and pieces of Angola. And at one time, it was called the America's Bloodiest Prison, because you could literally walk down the halls and there would be blood on the floor, blood on the walls in some cases, and so in 1995, a gentleman, Jack Malone, received a letter on a, written on a piece of brown paper bag, and it was from one of the inmates at Angola. Jack is a Gideon and that letter asked for in the letter the person asked for a bible so Jack approached the warden of Angola and said can I bring gideons here and place bibles and he said yes we'll do it. we'll do that one time we'll do a, a scripture placement and so Jack brought Gideons, and they placed Bibles all throughout the prison. Today, I have to tell you that in Angola, it's called one of America's friendliest prisons. They hold 420 worship services every month at different locations inside the prison, and 40% of that prison population are committed to Jesus Christ. And that's just a praise to God's word. You wonder who the Gideons are. We're just a group of business and professional uh, men. Uh, we have a women's auxiliary as well. So we're a group of about 250,000 people worldwide. We are a missionary arm of the church, of your church, and we greatly appreciate the local churches. We have one single purpose, and that is to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We do that through our own personal witness and testimony and through the distribution and placement of God's Word. We place um, Bibles in a about two hundred countries, uh, about nine thousand Bibles every hour um, it's uh, we we approach about eighty million Bibles a year and it just takes a concerted coordinated effort to do that but uh, but the demand is even higher and you know when when I think about the Gideon's International and, and what we do in other countries, I won't tell you um, more than just a few stories, but there are thousands. And I'm not, I'm not sharing the stories that I shared in the first service, even uh, just because there are so many it's just amazing to me what happens when somebody receives a copy of God's Word. It—it it was just a few years ago that, uh, actually, a couple of years ago, my, my wife and I were in Amish country, and and we were at the Carlisle, and if you've you've eaten there, it's a treat. And we were on an elevator, rode the elevator with a couple, and and sat with them, and ended up sitting with them, and the, this gentleman, um, you know, I, I asked him what he does, and he's a businessman, and, and he said, yeah, he said, you know, um, he said, it's actually a miracle that I'm even here, and I said, what do you mean, he said, well, he said, five years ago, I was on death row. And that kind of catches you off guard a little bit. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I He said, I killed a guy in a bar in Cleveland. And he said, and I did the crime. And so I was on death row. And he said, and some members of the Gideons International came through the prison and they gave us Bibles, And he said, I threw mine on the floor and it just flipped under the bed. He said, I didn't care to read the Bible. But he said, you know, after you're in there for a while, he said, you'll read anything. He said, I decided I'm going to see what that has to say. And it completely changed his life. Now, one day... Um, If you fast forward, one day, one of the prison guards came to his cell and said, Tom, how well do you know the governor? He said, I don't know the governor. I don't know anybody in politics. And he said, well, you've just received a pardon. And he couldn't believe it. They came and they took him out of his cell And they released him. Today he has a business. He's married. But you know, he said to them before he left, he said, Can I continue my prison ministry? Because I really would like to do that. And they said, Yeah, you can continue your prison ministry. He said, Okay. So he went back to the prison. Two months after he was released, and he had prepared a message and he wanted to, to witness to, to the prisoners and, and they said, well, you can start with, uh, this person here because he's scheduled to be executed tomorrow morning. And Tom said, okay, I'll go see him. Where is he at? And he didn't have a hard time finding him. That person was in his cell. You know, we place Bibles in so many different places, not just the prisons, but in, through schools and through county fairs, through emergency and medical personnel. We place them with police and fire departments, and we place them through the military, and obviously you know about the hotels and so forth. We place them every opportunity we get, um, I serve as a chaplain at a racetrack at Wayne County Speedway, and the Gideons um, make sure that I have uh, all the Bibles I need to place with fans and drivers and crew members. And we see some exciting racing. We, we have NASCAR drivers come and, and uh, race with our guys sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun, but at the same time, um, the Bibles that we place are—it's—it's it's exciting to hear the stories that come out. And I'll tell you one story. Um, my wife was with me at the racetrack one night, and and she handed a Bible to one of the drivers' wives, and she thanked. Kim. She said, thank you so much. She said, I don't own a Bible. And we were kind of surprised, you know. I mean, we're in America. We thought everybody owns a Bible, right? But not so. And sometime later, I learned that that same driver, I got word through the internet that he had had a, a terrible industrial accident. Um, he ran a commercial painting company, he was a contractor, and and he was on a scissors lift um, painting a school in Toledo, and something happened on that scissors lift, and he fell 32 feet onto concrete. and. The doctors, uh, he lost uh, one of his legs below the knee and and had so many broken bones that doctors told his wife, they said, um, he only has a 10% chance of survival and, uh, and we'll just see how it goes. So he was in a coma and I tried to get a hold of his family, I tried uh, to find out where he was I didn't even know where he was hospitalized you know um, I had talked to him so many different times and I had given him a Bible at the racetrack and and um, and I really wanted to to communicate with him um, if, he, if he was gonna in fact pass away I just wanted to to talk to him and you know I couldn't get a hold of him no, there was you know nobody seemed to know anything You know, um, it was about two months later, I was driving home from an appointment and as I'm driving, my phone rang and I picked it up and there was that unmistakable deep voice and I said, Wayne, is that you? And he said, yeah, it's me. I said, what did you do to yourself? He said, "I I had a really bad fall. And you know, he said, I just wanted to call you to tell you that, you know, I know that you prayed for us drivers. And I know that, you know, I always believed in Jesus. I believed in God. But he said, I just wanted you to know that now I know him personally. He said, I never should have survived. And uh, I sat with he and his wife just about a month ago. Uh, We had some coffee and just Uh, chatted again. You know, um, you might think and and wonder, well, how can I be of help to the Gideons International? And and obviously, people give money to the Gideons International. And you know, and that's great. We, um, We know that when people give money, that they give it for the purchase of Bibles, and that's exactly where that money goes. Uh, we use it to buy Bibles. We we buy lots of Bibles ourselves because the demand is even greater than you might imagine. And, you know, um, when I talk about demand, it's like the first time... I was ever asked to put Bibles in a hospital. You know, I got a random call from one of the gentlemen. And they said, hey, Eric, can you pick up a couple cases of Bibles and go down and place them all through Altman Hospital? And I said, yeah, I can do that. I said, I've got some time uh, tomorrow afternoon. I'll, I'll, I'll go down and do that. And so I picked up cases of Bibles and I went down and I put a Bible in every waiting room in the whole hospital. I mean, and there's, there's more than you might imagine. So I got a call about six weeks later. And they said, hey, Eric, can you go down to Altman Hospital and place Bibles in the waiting rooms? And I said, I just did that. I said, I, I, I put one in every room. It's done. They said, I don't think there's any in there. And I said, what? You've got to be kidding. So I took Bibles and I went down. Couldn't find any Bibles in there. They were all gone. Now, as Gideons, we never believe a Bible is stolen. It's just redistributed. So we're happy. We don't mind that a bit. I filled it up again, and we have uh, we have Gideons, who other men who also uh, do things like that. Well, we but we place those Bibles, and and we're excited when they disappear because we know that uh, the power of God's word. You know, it's just like um, this gentleman Yusuf in Indonesia. In Indonesia, which is a, a Muslim, predominant Muslim country, and they are rewarded for persecuting Christians. You can't, uh, if you kill a Christian in Indonesia, you, they don't, I mean, they just kind of turn their head. They don't, they don't uh, prosecute people for that. And so Yusuf um learned about a Christian church that was meeting, and he set the building on fire and burned it to the ground and He felt really good about that and a Gideon gave Yusef a Bible a short time later and today Yusef pastors that same church you know um we have uh, a card program where you can give cards in memory or in honor of someone. It's it's a terrific thing. You can give Bibles that um, that to honor people. And one single Bible has the potential to reach twenty three hundred people. The. Um, the other thing is if you are a business or a professional person and um, and it covers a wide range of professions, but if you uh, think that you would like to pursue with us the effort that we're that we have um, in placing the Bibles um, see me or see Mark Oberly at the close of today's service and um, We'll tell you more about that. Or if you would just like to be a friend of the Gideons and say, hey, you know what? I'd like to have some Bibles on hand and, and I'd like to, um, maybe participate on a, on a, on a low key level or, or on a different scale. That's fine too. Um, we have a Friends of Gideons program for that. <clears throat> Finally, I want to tell you, about uh, Dave Garrett, you know um, Dave was serving in Vietnam. he served on a destroyer, which basically um, as he tells it he's from Maslin he's and he and he tells it he said, all we ever did was circle a, a uh, one of our battle or uh, aircraft carriers, and he said, uh, "We were just there to protect the aircraft carrier." And then one day, they received a call. Their commanding officer received a call, and and he came to all the guys on the battleship, and he said, um, "Guys," he said, "Tear your patches off your uniforms and throw them into the ocean." They said. Hi, what's going on? He said, um, we've been given an assignment. He said, we have to go into Hanoi Harbor. And he said, there's there's an anti-aircraft gun in there that is shooting down several of our planes. And he said, um, we're, we're being asked to go destroy that tower. And Dave said that everybody got pretty quiet and they tore the patches off their uniforms and threw them into the ocean it's because they figured that they would never get out of hanoi harbor they figured they would all be prisoners of war and they didn't want to know they didn't want the enemy to know who the ranking officers were so they did that and they went into hanoi harbor and dave said that that during that time he said it 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 got really, really ugly. He said they even he said the enemy put all kinds of of boats and enemy boats in their way, and he said uh, they were in uh, in a serious battle. And he said they destroyed the tower, and then they turned to leave the harbor. And he said they even had fishing boats that they were running in, trying to to get in their way. And he said, and then all of a sudden he turned and saw a torpedo and it was headed right toward the most vulnerable part of their boat. And he knew that that was it, that they were going to sink. And he said, that torpedo hit the side of the boat and of all things, it did not detonate. And they went on out of the harbor And they went to Australia, and to get the boat repaired, their their battleship was was pretty beat up um, from all the anti, you know, all the gunfire that it took on, and and um, so they, while they were in Australia, they thought this is going to be great. We get to kind of have an excursion for, uh, you know, take a break for about six weeks. While they were repairing the ship. But the people in Australia weren't favorable toward our presence in Vietnam. So they ridiculed our soldiers. So he said, we ended up just staying in hotels. We didn't even hardly go out except to eat and stuff like that. He said, we just didn't, he said, people didn't really like us there. But while he was in the hotel, that's where Dave picked up a Bible. And in that hotel room in Australia, he found Christ. That's not the end of the story, though. He got home and he didn't like to talk about Vietnam, didn't like to talk about any part of it. But one day his grandmother said, Dave, tell me about this day or that day in Vietnam, she said, because I was, I, I was awakened out of a deep sleep and the Lord impressed upon me to call my entire Sunday school class and ask them to pray for you. And he asked her specifically, what, what day was that? And she told him, and it was the exact same day that he was in Hanoi Harbor. So we all know that God's word never returns void. And it really doesn't matter who placed the Bibles in different places. What really matters is we have the opportunity to place more. Thank you so much. Uh, Pastor Eric, I want to turn the service back over to you.
0: We want to take a moment to thank all of you, our faithful listeners, for setting aside time each week for the Indian-run Christian Church podcast. You can find out more about the church by visiting our website, at www.christforeastcanton.com, that's www.christforeastcanton, all one word, .com. On behalf of Pastor Terry and all the folks at Indian Run Christian Church, I pray God's blessing on you and your family.